Heavenly Father, that affirmation, that attestation of our belief is something more than just the words of a song, Lord. It's, it's our life. We have staked our lives on the fact that you are the one, the only one, and that you are the one who gives life. You are the one who redeems us from death. And so, God, as we uh, have sung those words today, we pray that it would also just really ring true in our hearts, that they would be ones that we reflect on often, that it's not just some empty, cold theology, Lord, but it is actually something that gives us, again, life and purpose and meaning and direction and hope in times, at all times, whether those times be good or bad. Help us not to trust in ourselves. Help us, help us not to trust in good circumstances. Help us not to get overwhelmed in bad ones. But instead, God, we give our entire lives to you. In the name of the one who gives us that life, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and uh, take your seats. Good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you here on week two of indoor, in-person services. Uh, We're so glad that you've chosen to be with us. And if you're uh, watching online, welcome to you as well. Um, We have, uh, last week, we kind of finished something that we had pressed pause on for about uh, seven months. We finished the book of Romans. And if you've been around Calvary, either online or in person, uh, you know that uh, several weeks ago we hopped in. Uh, to a a journey through the gospel of John. And as we did that, hopefully it's been meaningful to you. Hopefully you've been able to spend some time, as I oftentimes encourage you to do, uh, you've been able to spend some time personally in in the book, maybe doing some extra reading, some extra reflection, maybe even some discussion with um, spiritual friends, brothers and sisters in Christ uh, that you have. Uh, oftentimes what we do when we get into a book is we see kind of certain themes emerge, right? The writer seems to go back to certain things and draw attention to them or emphasize them. And, and John is no different. Uh, John does that for sure. And uh, one of the things that, that John emphasized that I shared with you as we work through, we're actually going to be finishing up chapter 3 today, uh, beginning down in verse 31. But throughout that first part of, the, of John's book, uh, uh, a major theme is this idea of the signs that Jesus does that demonstrate that he is someone uh, that is unlike any other, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. Another one of the, uh, of the emphases that John has, and, and in, in this particular last paragraph of chapter 3 that we're going to be looking, on, looking at, is on the idea of being a witness or, or a testimony. It's a key feature of John's gospel. We actually saw it in the first chapter when uh, John was writing about how John the baptizer came as a witness to testify about the light, which was, which, who is Jesus. So it says in, in John 1, 7 that John, he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. Now you see two words there. You see the word witness and you see the word testify. They're basically variants of each other. Uh, Marturia is the, is, the, is the noun, which means uh, uh, someone who is a witness. And the, the verb form of that is martyreo, which means to testify. And we see nearly 50 times in John's gospel 
that this word, a variant, some, some form of these words are used. So it's definitely one that is uh, clearly a part of what John wants to communicate about uh, the testimony of Jesus. And so the, the, the paragraph that we're going to look at today is uh, just as John, like I read earlier, just as John bore witness to Jesus, Jesus is going to bear witness, he's going to give witness, he's going to testify, according to John, uh, to the truth. And so we want to ask the question today as we're beginning uh, the look into these last five or six verses of chapter 3, why should we heed the testimony of Jesus? Remember that, you know, my, many of us would, would have answers for that already, but John is writing to a group of people where he's trying to help them to understand why they should give heed to the testimony of Jesus. And so in these, uh, in these several sentences that we're going to look at today, I believe we're going to see four or five reasons that I'm going to encourage you, uh, each of us, and the, all of us, even uh, those watching online as well, that, that we would give heed to the testimony of Jesus. Now, it's interesting, when we look at these words that we're going to read and, and, and kind of dive into in just a minute, um, John, in, in John 3, verses 31 to 36, uh, some people ask, uh, and there's a lot of scholarly, scholarly debate about it, well, who's speaking here? Is it John, uh, the, the, the apostle? Is it Jesus? Uh, and, some, and, and we're not sure. Uh, the, the, remember that in the original manuscripts, we don't have quotation marks. And so because we don't have quotation marks, unless it's a direct statement of who is speaking, there's a li- there can be a little bit of ambiguity as to who is sa- uh, saying this. In fact, some scholars believe that John the Apostle and not Jesus was the person who spoke the words from John 3, verses 16 to, tw- uh, to 21. And of course, that includes the famous uh, verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, in, in one regard, though, Whoever is speaking, whether this is John speaking or whether this is Jesus speaking, it is kind of a moot point. Because if we believe that all scripture is inspired by God, if that is true and we believe that it is, if all scripture is inspired by God, then it really doesn't matter that who, who is speaking here. But I can't answer that for with certainty as we look at these words today. Could it be the, wor- the words of Jesus? Absolutely. Could it be the words of John, the writer of this, of this gospel? Could be him as well. Well, what we're learn- what, 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 the reference is, is, what it is in reference to is the testimony of Jesus, and that's what we're going to be looking, about, looking at. So why should we heed it? Why should we follow it? Why should we just, we just sang about it, right? This I believe. And all that has to do with the, with the testimony that Jesus gave about himself, the scriptural witness about Jesus. And certainly Jesus gave testimony about himself. So why should we stake our lives on that? Well, the first thing to look at is who he is, his identity. This is what, the, this is what it says in John 3.31. The one who comes from above. And remember that because in the, in the Jewish culture it wasn't, it wasn't so good to have the, the name of God on your lips, words like, uh, phrases like came from above or came from heaven, by implication, the meaning there is comes from God. So it wouldn't be wrong to, to even translate the one who comes from, uh, from above as one who comes from God. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms, but the one who comes from heaven is above all. One of the claims that Jesus made that was most disputed by the Jews, excuse me, disputed by the Jews was this very thing. It led to the conclusion uh, that, that, that implied that Jesus himself was God. 
He had multiple conversations with his Jewish audience about this very thing, about who he was, about what his identity was. And in John chapter 6 was one of those conversations. Jesus says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. And later he says, down in verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This confused the, the Jews, and in fact, in verse, 20, uh, verse 42, excuse me, verse 41, says that uh, when they heard these words of Jesus, that he was the bread of life, and that he came down from heaven. Well, what's in their mind, right? In their mind is the picture of manna, which comes directly from heaven, which was a gift from God. So Jesus is, is talking, referring to himself as the, as the living manna, right? As manna in the flesh, so to speak. And that he has, he has come down from heaven. And they, they begin to grumble about him because he said, and, and they say, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And then they say, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, right? He's not the son of God. That's not his identity. He hasn't come from God himself. Because if he came from God himself, that would mean he didn't come from who? He didn't come from Joseph. So the question is, is he Joseph's son or is he God's son? And the point that John is making to us is this. This is the one who came from above. He's not Joseph's son. He is God's son. So his identity, and that's why because he comes from heaven, he is above all things. In John 8, 42, Jesus says, I came from God and I am here. I came from my father. So why, why should we trust, why do you trust anyone's testimony? The first thing you want to know about them is, who are you? Why, why should I trust what you're going to say? The first thing you're going to look at is their identity. Do you know anything about them? Do, does anyone that you do know know anything about them? You want to di dive in to, I'm listening to this person, they've got something to share. It seems pretty bold, it seems like a, a pretty large claim, so do I want to trust them? Well, let's consider their identity, and that's exactly how John, John starts. And this, again, was one of, the, one of the most divisive things that Jesus said among his Jewish brothers. The problem was that he was making a claim that he was actually from God himself. The second one, the question that we're going to answer is almost, it's really similar to the first one, but not so much who are they, but what kind of a person are they, right? What kind of credibility does the, do they have? If I'm going to listen to what they have to say, are they credible? Are they reliable? And listen to what the, the word says about Jesus. In verse 32, he testifies to what he has seen and heard. In other words, firsthand eyewitness and ear witness evidence. This isn't what someone else told Jesus. But instead, this is what he has heard for himself. And yet, of course, verse 32, again, and this is a common theme of John we saw in chapter 1, right? He came to his own, and his own received him how? Received him not. Here, he, has, he testifies to what he has firsthand eyewitness and earwitness evidence of. He has seen it, he has heard it, and yet no one ex accepts his testimony. Again, very common theme in John. Later in, in the gospel, in John 8, 38, Jesus says, I speak what I have seen in the presence of of the Father. Why is Jesus' witness credible? Because it's what he has experienced firsthand. 
It's not something he's getting from someone else. And in fact, the writers of the Gospels are trying to drill this into those early followers because they want them to know that they can have confidence in what they're believing because they can trust in the firsthand eyewitness evidence of it. That's a very common theme for the reason that Luke writes the Acts of the Apostles because he's saying these are things in the life of Jesus, in his Gospel, and in the Acts that we have seen with our own eyes that we have heard with our own ears, that we have experienced in our own lives. And so you can trust our testimony because we were firsthand eyewitness evidence or firsthand eyewitnesses of that fact. So Jesus is a credible witness. His identity is trustworthy because he came from God himself. He is credible because he's testifying to what he has actually seen and heard and, he, and then the actual testimony that he is giving is trustworthy. This is the third point. His content is trustworthy. So question of identity, question of, of, of credibility, question of trustworthiness. Third, verse 33. The one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed what? God is true. John 1.17 says, Grace and truth is realized in and through Jesus Christ. Truth is realized in the incarnation. Jesus says about himself, what? In John 14, 6, again, this same gospel. John 14, 6, I am the way, the, many of you know it, the truth and the life. So Jesus, we, we are trusting in his content because it, that, that, that content is full of grace and truth. John 1, 14 says this, again, all this, just all these references simply coming out of this one gospel that, again, are all about giving us this, this uh, representation of how we can trust in the witness and the testimony of Jesus. John 1.14 in the Christian Standard Bible says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of what? Many of you know it. Grace and truth. Referring to his identity and to the trustworthiness of his content because his content is true. It's such a temptation for us, folks. Me too. I'm right in this. I, I, I face this temptation every day. There's so many things that are very tempting for me to trust in other than the content that comes from God himself. We've become pretty smart folks. We think pretty highly of ourselves. It's the reason that this, this is, well, now we've kind of edged out of the information age, right? But, but the most recent age, you know, of being, living in the information age, we are addicts for information. And we are willing to trust in things that are not trustworthy. There is one thing that ultimately is worth our allegiance and our trust, and it is that which comes from God himself and the person who gave the most accurate and complete and total representation of that witness is his son, Jesus. That's why we give heed to his testimony. That's why we follow what he says. That's why we walk in his footsteps. That's why our mission statement is helping people follow Jesus together. Why? Because he, he, his identity is that he is the son of God. He is a credible witness. And what he has to share with us for our lives is trustworthy. You can stake your life on it. You may not be able to stake your life on everything that comes out of this guy's mouth. Or even your best friend. Or even the person you trust the most. But this guy, this Jesus guy, you can trust him and what he has to say to you.
sort of the temptation of not receiving that. It's exactly what we see in these two verses, right? He testifies to what he has seen and heard in verse 32. No one accepts his testimony. No, but, but, he, but he says, look at, look, at, look at this transition then in verse 33. The one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. That word accepted is the Greek word lambano. It means to take to oneself, to make it your own. His witness now becomes my life. Jesus, I'm all about him. To lay hold of something, to admit to it, to receive it when it is offered to you. Jesus is dispensing his testimony to us. Are we receiving it in that, in that manner? It means not to reject it or refuse it. And the scripture says, when we do that, when we lay hold of it, when it becomes our own, then we have affirmed something. That word affirmed is, is, is a pretty interesting word. It's the Greek word which means to set a seal upon something, to mark it with a seal. It, it means to stamp it like with a signet, like leaders wore signet rings and they would put a wax on an important document and then they would drive that ring into the wax to seal it. And that was the reason they were doing it. It was a, it was a private mark. It was their own mark. And they would do that either for security or preservation. And so a, a, a way that you could translate this is the one who has accepted his testimony has set their seal to this. You have taken your ring and you have put it into the wax and said, God is true. I am attesting to that. That's what that leader did. And when God says, when you receive the testimony of Jesus by faith, when it has become yours, you have literally stuck your ring in that wax and it now is carries your attestation. That doesn't make it more true. That's not what it means. It simply means that you have attested to the fact that it is true. Make sense? So this is a big thing. We trust in Jesus' testimony because of who he is. He came from heaven itself. He came from God himself. We trust in Jesus because he is a reliable witness it's not third hand, fourth hand. I heard this from my friend, and my friend has a friend who's a friend, and their cousin told me this, and then I found this. They found it on some website, and that was through the dark web. All that. It's not that kind of horrible business, right? And we believe all sorts of things. We'll even cite stuff like that when we're in an argument with somebody, won't we? But this stuff, this stuff is stuff we're receiving from someone who got it firsthand, and he came to do just that. Remember. John 5, 20 says, the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. And guess what the son's desire? To show us that very thing. The Bible says he is the exact representation of the being of his father. And so it is this continual revelation of the person of Jesus as he's sharing with us his witness, his testimony, so that we might know him and his father better. We might walk in those footsteps. It's another reason we should trust or heed the testimony of Jesus. Because he's been authorized. He's empowered. Verses 34 and 35. Look at it. This is another very key theme in John about the authorization, the empowerment that, that, that the father has given to the son. Verse 34. For the one whom God sent speaks God's words since he gives the spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. God gave his Son the word. 
God gave his son the spirit. God gave his son all things. Think about this. Think about, the, think about if you agree with this statement. To reject the witness of Jesus is to reject the supreme author, designer, and controller of the entire universe. To refuse that. To not allow your life to be aligned with the witness that Jesus gives is to not align with the truth and not align with the one who has given him the authority to declare it. Jesus says, I don't come to speak my own words, but I come to speak the words and do the will of the Father who sent me. And so I have been empowered, I've been authorized. So we trust in his, in, his, in, his, uh, in his testimony because he has been authorized to give it. We trust in his testimony because it is trustworthy. The content is true. We trust in his testimony because he's a credible witness. We trust in his testimony because we know where he came from. He, his identity is that he is not the son of Joseph. He is the son of God himself. And the last thing I would suggest to you is we trust in the testimony of Jesus. And this might be the most important takeaway that you receive today is this. We trust in the, in the testimony of Jesus because literally if scripture is true, it is a matter of life and death. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life. That word translated eternal is, it literally means perpetual, forever, everlasting. The one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the Son. Remember what we said about lambano? Lambano means not to reject. The one who rejects the Son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. Now that phrase, wrath of God, call me a softy, but it just ugh, causes me to kind of sink a little bit of pit in my stomach. When I think of someone receiving the wrath of God instead of his love, Do you know that this is the only place in any of John's letters or this gospel that he uses that word? The word orge. The only time John uses this word is right here. In reference to whether or not someone receives or rejects the testimony of the son. The word orge comes from the, the root word of it is orgao. Orgao means to team and uh, it, it denotes like an internal sort of motion, like you know what teaming is. It actually uh, kind of a churning. It, it's actually uh, especially refers to that uh, of, of, of plants or fruits that are swelling with juice, almost like they're ready to burst. They're so ripe. And so by, by implication, this, this idea of the, this word orge, it, it actually literally means um, desire. But it can refer to any violent passion, especially anger. By analogy and, 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 and by implication, it, it means someone who has a, a justifiable abhorrence to something. It means punishment. When I think of this word, you know what picture I have? I think of if God were a fruit. Now, I'm not being blasphemous here, but you understand what I'm saying as we look at this particular word. God were a fruit. And he exploded onto you in violence, in anger. That's why, that's why this phrase is so tough. 
Anyone want to receive that? Do you want to have God explode onto you? And, and, and what happens when we refuse the testimony of Jesus, when we reject the testimony of Jesus, is that the wrath of God remains on us. So there's two choices here. The one who believes, the one who rejects, right? The word believe is pistoeo. It, it means to think something to be true, to be persuaded of it, to place your confidence in it, to have faith in, upon, or with respect to a person or a thing, to believe. That's what that word means, to believe. I have staked my life on it. What did we sing right before this, uh, this message, right? I believe. Amen. I believe. I believe. All these things that we say we believe, we are putting our confidence in them. We have been persuaded that they are true. We are convinced by the Spirit of God. God has opened our eyes, and these things are true, right? We have set our ring in the wax. We have attested to that fact. Or, apatheo, to not allow oneself to be persuaded, to refuse or withhold belief and obedience, to not comply with something. This kind of characterized my entire growing up attitude with my parents and coaches and teachers, right? Anybody else? To disbelieve. So it comes down to this. To believe there is life. And it's, here's the thing. When John is using this word that we translate eternal life, he's not just referring to life after death. He's saying, if you receive the testimony of Jesus, you're alive now. You're alive right now, and you will always be alive. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So he comes and he gives you life. You have life today. And will life and eternity be beyond our, our wildest imaginations? Absolutely. But life today even going through difficult times, can still be life if we are living it according to the testimony of Jesus. And if you disbelieve, then the wrath of God remains on you, and you will not see life. Not now, not ever. So you're not really alive today, and you'll never be alive. Your life is death. So it's a pretty simple question, right? Have you thought this to be true? Have you placed your confidence in the testimony of Jesus? Or have you refused and withheld belief? And maybe even a, a question for the crowd that's here today might be this. Do you walk a little bit in both worlds sometimes? Anybody ever feel like that kind of characterizes their life? I know I battle that temptation. Shared with that with you earlier. I want to invite all of us today to do the very thing that John is referring to in this passage. That we would place our confidence, that we would have faith in, that we would allow ourselves to be persuaded of this very thing. The testimony of Jesus, the one who comes from above, is a firsthand eyewitness report that is trustworthy, coming from someone who has been empowered to share it with us. It causes us to have life. If you're battling to walk in that in, in, in totality today, 
I invite you to, in your own personal way, surrender your life over to God completely. If you've never done that ever for the first time, to place your confidence in the testament, in the truth that Jesus is the way, then maybe today is the day for you to do that. If you happen to be watching online and and, uh, and God is kind of, just have that nudge that maybe God is inviting you into that unique relationship with himself right now. You have questions about that, there will be a link that's going to be dropping into the chat as we head into the closing song. You can click on that and uh, that will take you into a conversation with one of the staff persons here at Calvary. We'd love to talk to you more about how you can receive Jesus as Savior. How you can receive his, his, the, his, the testimony that he shares about himself, that he is the one who takes away the sin of the world. And so for all of us, as we head into that last song, I invite us, whether you're watching online or you're here in person, to allow your heart to be open to the truth that Jesus is sharing about himself today and always. Would you stand with me, please? As the worship team comes up and gets ready to lead us in that song, I'm gonna pray as they, uh, as they do that. Heavenly Father, We thank you for these few verses that say so much about your son. We thank you that you've brought us here together today around them. And we pray, God, that it, as we've heard them, that it wouldn't be something that we just kind of like dismiss, reject, ignore, but that we would literally receive them as our own, that we would lay hold of them that we would attest to the truth. Father, so many things get in the way. Our flesh gets in the way of all of that. Our enemy, Satan himself, gets in the way of that. Culture gets in the way of that. Circumstances get in the way of that. God, may you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, cut through all of that mess our own hard hearts, our own stiff necks, our own inflated view of self and what we think we know. And bring us to that place of a simple belief and complete trust in the person and the witness of your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.